Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am John Kirby, your co-host. You can find me at Twitter at at John underscore Kirby. I think you got that right. And we have not one, but two other co-hosts, your favorite co-hosts, the ones that you yearn for and actually ask for often. The Sarahs have joined us uh, for this week's edition. Sarah Norris and Sarah G. And just Sarah G., you know I'm very terrible at last names, so that's why I didn't even start. To Listen, Sarah G. is good enough. That's what I've been my whole life. But if you want to see my nonsense on Twitter, especially about Christmas Hallmark movies right now, I'm at Sgender. And you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Norris. That is Sarah with an H. Awesome. Okay. Boo. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're already booing. Up yeah. <laughs> So we are recording live right uh, Tuesday night after a most recent Michigan State basketball game, but we are going to only have good vibes. We decided on good vibes only. You know, this could have been a doom and gloom pod. We decided against it. Maybe that creeps in. Who's to say? We, I say we, we, we did decide no no doom. That's what we decided? It was a – It was a. we're going to try. Okay, See, great. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. By the way, the name of this call is Doom Pod, so maybe a little doom. Maybe, like, sprinkling. Well, <laughs> uh, let's start out with the most recent result. You know, let's start with the basketball, the favorite son, you know. And when you're the favorite son, like we talked about, um, it's just like a higher expectation that comes with it as well. And, you know, MSU just lost in the Champions Classic to Kansas. The final score uh, – I don't even have it in front of me. 87 to 74. Thank you. See, like, it didn't sound that bad, but then you say it out loud and you're like, 87 points is a lot. That's a lot of points. Not good. But I'm going to hand it over. You guys watched it with clear eyes and full hearts. I was <laughs> not. I'll let you take what happened here. You know, I, we were talking about this before we jumped on here, but. but- we all came in with like, well, most fans that I saw, we came in with that same attitude where it's like, you know what? We're just going to tune in. How lucky are we? Basketball's back. Fans can go to the games. It's going to have some energy. Yay. And, you know, things were fine at the beginning. Things were, were moving along. We saw some positive play. Then those little turnover guys came out. And then by the end, we had just lit ourselves on fire and hoped for the best. And then we all walked away feeling disappointed. And thus, we are who we are as Michigan State basketball fans. We try to temper expectations, and then we get thrown right back in it. And now we're sad. Yeah. I texted Sarah about four minutes after tip-off. I'm trying to manage my expectations, but I just want our favorite sons to thrive. And that's really, like, we just want them to be good. And, like, they weren't bad. No. They were bad in some parts. Sure. But uh, (laughs) we have to watch the game. They hung in. 
for most of the first half, you know, the, the end of the first half got away from a little bit. Tom did the thing where he sat somebody down to play a freshman and it was kind of trash. You know, Jaden Aikens obviously needs some. But, but there were bright spots, um, out rebounded Kansas, I believe 37 to 30 last time I looked at the. Wow. Yeah. That shocks me. Yeah. Yeah. 40 to 30 was what we ended up with. So yeah, we, there are some areas where they played really well. They had 16 turnovers to Kansas's nine and the free throw shooting was abysmal. And if you take like half of that back, if they make 50% more free throws and have 50% fewer turnover, turnovers, yeah. it's a different game. Like, and that's not, we're not asking for an improvement that is Correct. totally out of the world, out of this world, you know? And also, Michigan State unranked. Yep. Kansas, number three team in the country. Sure. So, why I, I have to point out quickly about Kansas is the average age um, the people on that team is 37, and that's without Harry Ellis. I remain shocked. We have a 25-year-old man who has played at four schools. Four schools. Okay, at what point does he pack? Like unpack? Does he just I, keep it all in his bags and it's just like? I need. I need. I mean, I'm sure there's like an athletic article somewhere that I can find because, like, I need the story about why that man is. Is he the one who's 26? No. no, he's 25. Jalen Coleman lands. He and then, started at, sorry, I keep cutting you off. He started playing at Illinois, Illinois for yeah, two seasons, then transferred to DePaul, where he was a red shirt and played one season. Then he went to Iowa State, and then he went to Kansas. Of course he went to yeah. Iowa State, because yeah. that's where they go. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then, well, and DePaul, right? And then yeah. also Mitch Lightfoot, 24. So like and, and I and I here these kids are kind of paid now, so I feel like I don't love to criticize amateur athletes, but like I've got to feel like Mitch Lightfoot's making a buck, so I get to say one thing: go get a job, man. <laughs> like it's too much. Like, you point, just, like move on. I just pulled up his stats page on ESPN, and listener, please go do this. In his roster photo, he looks like a bank manager. Like, just go do that. Go do that. Go Go sell cars somewhere. Like, leave us alone. (laughs) Like, you're not like, you should be a doctorate student. Like, I need need multiple degrees, man. (laughs) At least. At least. I get that some people are staying an extra year because yeah. of Twitter or whatever. That doesn't explain you being 26. No, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's if you can rent a car without any problem, without the can't be if on a basketball team in college. You're too old. It's uh, too much. It's too so much. Somebody else on Kansas who uh, – here, so there's a couple of things. One, somebody in the Champions Classic always gets a career high against Michigan State. Taylor's oldest time, right? Tonight it was uh, OJ. Uh, uh, I practiced this. Obaji. Yes. <laughs> yep. It's just like it looks. Anyway, Obaji got. Uh, he ended up with 29 points. Uh, I will say this about Obaji. At least it's not like the tenth guy down the bench who went yeah. against Michigan Stop. State. This is not a boo booey situation. Uh, um, oh no! Actually, that was awesome. Abaji is like one of the better players that I think we've seen in the Champions Classic that was actually like showed up and was 
that guy. He was yeah. incredible. incredible. He kind of looked like an NBA guy. Like, yeah, he's absolutely. like on the mock draft boards. Like he's that's fine. You know, did like, he go to the draft last year and then pull his name out, or did I make that up? It may have been any number of the other people on Kansas, but we don't care about facts here. So I'm going to say, yeah, he did, and he looks ready, right? Like he looks like he belongs in in the NBA, and I'm not just saying that because he worked my team. Um, <laughs> he is incredibly talented. Um, so I guess in in some regards, it was like, okay, we're going to start the college basketball season. I love to watch like a good game like that. Not saying that playing Eastern Michigan or Western Michigan isn't like fun. I like beating teams, but I also like seeing the rest of the talent around the country. So yay for that, I guess. You know? And I think this Champions Classic is like an unqualified success. We lose in it like 80% of the time, but like obviously the publicity is good. It's good for recruiting. Tom is going to schedule one of these people anyway. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so like let's Even get it out of the way. Um, you know, so I, I think that the Champions Classic is, is great. I don't like it when we're the only not top 10 team in it, but you know, that's what it is. Everyone has a turn. And you know, these are the types of games that I think you kind of define, it it helps you grow up a little quicker. Like Max Christie, you know, he certainly did, was not, uh, didn't take over, but he looked like he belonged. Yeah. Kind he didn't play very much in the second half, I thought. Is that is that correct? He just kind I of think... disappeared a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he didn't do bad. He had um more points than Joey Hauser. <laughs> I mean he certainly looked, he looked capable. He looked capable, you know, and, and that's kinda of what you look for, especially on freshmen, is it kind of um it it grows you up really quick. And you know, and to be fair, you can have bad games in, in these early season ones and still have great careers. Gary Harris, my favorite player of all time, had a really bad first game against Connecticut and the, in Germany, I believe. And it's just like, it's just tough. But, but I do think there is something to seeing a kid like Max look like he belongs. Yeah. And I think that's, we can have a pretty good idea. He's going to be very a positive player the rest of the year. Right? And like, honestly, nine points, three rebounds, and two turnovers, which is what Christy had, is about what you expect for a freshman right. first game. Yeah. He was two, four from three, very good. Three of ten from the field, not so good. Work on the, work on the short and mid-range game a little bit, but I agree with John. I think he was, he looked, yeah. well, he looked good. You know, I was not, displeased with what I saw for sure yeah I think and looking at him play I think you know to echo what John said is like he looked perfectly capable he just needs more time like that's how that's how I see him and then you know I wasn't sure what to make of Jaden Akins and I would say he was on the opposite end of that spectrum right and again it's early I'm not saying doom or gloom on any of this I'm just saying like for a first game you kind of have to assess people and for Akins yikes is how I felt about that um, yeah. And maybe that's a little bit harsh um, and getting overwhelmed in the moment. But, you know, if you compare it to what Max looks like, mm-hmm. they're they're pretty opposite. Um, well, and then the other disappointment, I hate to say it, Tyson Walker was, whoo boy. Well, not every transfer, last name Walker can be. <laughs> it's a little unfair. You know, I think we were all... Um, hope maybe we were whelmed. I don't want to say under, but we, were, you know, it was, um, it left something to be desired. 
Well, and and we talked about the 16 turnovers, and, like, obviously point guard play for Michigan State last year was a thorny spot. It's going to continue to be a thorny spot. So, Walker, you're looking for more than two points and a flat one assist-to-turnover ratio. Um, but on the point guard positive side, A.J. Hogard, uh, I know John mentioned Austin has stock in the A.J. Hogard fund, and I, too, have been on the A.J. Hogard train. The stock is rising. He had a career high, 17 points, and played really well. Also, yep. our favorite thing, a before and after freshman to sophomore yes. body transformation. Pick. That's right. They said that he lost 20 pounds, and I don't think he really looks it. But you can tell that he put on a lot of, you know, he looked strong. He was able to drive the lane. He obviously also has some turnover issues, like a little bit lazy passing at times, but nothing that, like, he looks so much more comfortable. We talked about okay. freshman comfortableness, I guess. Yeah. He was really pressed into service last year a lot, and a lot of times he looked. He looked pressed. Last he looked pressed, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> he got better as the season went on, as you would expect. So now, you know, those kind of shaky minutes, playing dividends. He's playing at Madison Square Garden against the number three team in the country, led Michigan State in points with 17. So he you can't was, really ask for much more from AJ. Yeah, he was mentally – like, he was mentally tough. Like, he rose to the challenge of this. Like, he, he he didn't start. You know, Walker got the start. Walker was shaky. Hogard came in and asserted himself really quickly. And, you know, I don't know what that means for the future. I don't know if you can decide off of one game if that means that Hogard should be the starter. I don't know if that's fair. You know, Tom obviously saw months of these guys practicing, but it's encouraging, I think, the positive spin is to say, okay, well, Hogard, in a worst-case scenario, that's what you have, and that's not bad. Like, that's yeah. a, that's a compared to last year, like you were both saying, like, <laughs> that's a huge leap, and yeah. that's great. So the it's other guy... Because the, the, the box score doesn't have the minutes breakdown. I was curious, like, how many yeah. minutes he played versus For Walker sure. versus Aikens. For right. sure. I don't have that yet, Yeah. The other backup that came in and asserted himself um, because he needed to was Julius Marble. Correct. He had a Marble really, minutes. He had a, he had a nice game, and yeah. and it was largely because he was called upon uh, because Marcus Bingham got in a little bit of foul trouble. And you know, again, I think that's another example that is going to pay off in the long run. I don't know what you guys think, but you've seen the Big Ten centers. Like, yeah, I love, Julius. I love Julius Marble. I I feel like there should be a way that it can be figured out that he can be in the starting lineup because he's the second leading scorer tonight. He had 13 points and seven rebounds. That's a good game. That's a real good game. Five for six from the strike. Yeah. In a game where Michigan State shot 56% from free throw. Yeah. Start him. He's mentally tough. (laughs) He's a tough kid. And he's like, that's not to say that others on the team aren't. But there are a couple, like A.J. Hogard is clearly a mentally tough kid. He heard all the criticism last year. He, he heard the, all the body shaming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's like your, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and outside of, the, outside of the stat line, if there is a loose ball and people are on the court and they're trying to get the ball and Julius Marble's in the game, he is there. He is like on the floor smacking people around, you know. There was one play tonight where he had leapt into the bench and then somehow got back on the court and was ready to, like, get the next rebound before anybody had shot again. He, I mean, he's everywhere. And um, I love to see the growth with him, especially when I remain a little dubious on Bingham 
if I'm honest with you, because I just, I keep waiting for the next step. You hear about the gym time. You hear about him improving in strength. You hear about, you know, uh, although they were talking, you know, this game about how, you know, he has clearly spent a lot of time in the gym, but you won't see it on his body. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But will I see it in his play? Because I'm not so sure. And also, I know we love it when he makes a three, but why are you taking those shots? (laughs) Get to the post. Do a little hook shot. Like, why are you out there? You are not on this team to be a perimeter shooter. He was over from three, over three tonight. Yeah. I mean, that's my point is it's just like, that's not what I want from you. That's not what we need you for. Stop trying to force that play. And I think he got the start, but I'm looking at the box score and and Kerb said he was in foul trouble. He only had one foul. He barely played the second half. I think he was tired. I wonder if it's a conditioning issue. I think he was tired. And that's yikes. Like he played, and this is like kind of the Marcus Bingham story. He plays like the first half of the first half. Yeah. Like a house on fire, you know, yeah. like Gabe Brown, where he comes out, the two of them are cranked, right? They're, they're on one. And then, you know, he kind of fades as the game goes on. And yeah. And then Julius Marble is out there diving from one side of the court to the other, you know, getting in a fist fight with McCormick. Bargain bin Dwight Howard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, it's it's just you look at the starting lineup and you look at what, the way things went tonight, and you think to yourself, you have to think to yourself as we go into the next game, as we go into like the more softball part of the schedule where we try to tune things up. Does does that starting lineup change? You know, because I think some guys made a really strong case in this game. To start. Is, is there anyone you um, specifically want removed from the starting lineup, Sarah? Is there? <laughs> Look, I came on this podcast last year and I slandered Thomas Kipier. This year, Joey Hauser and the Joey Hauser experiment. I'm done with it. Yeah. I'm done. Talk about, you know, this play, lots going to get made of this probably. There's that one play where the ball was going out of bounds to the corner and Hauser neither went for the ball nor did he close out on the Kansas player trying to go for the ball. And it's like, if you oh, want to stand in the middle of the court and do nothing, like, go back to Marquette. Like, don't a, be here. Well, that's, you that's here. shit. Sarah, you're not wrong. Like, that shit is not okay. And, and you know, it's, it's, you, you, you said at the beginning of the pod, like, we are hard on this team, but I don't think it's being hard on this team to want that. And, and like, that's the expectation in the bar that the program is set for itself is to never get out hustled, to never get out worked. And then when you, and when you see it, and, and unfortunately, sometimes when you see it from an outsider, like it, and he, and he's not anymore, but it's, it, it, you look for three years at this point. Like, so you know what in. the mission is. You just like narrow in on it even harder. You, everyone, it's like, it just reinforces like these negative feelings sometimes. And, you know, it's, you know, it's so easy to, you know, pick on certain plays, but I think you're right. Those are the plays that stick out to a Michigan state fan, maybe more so than. And, and you could make an argument that he's in the starting lineup for an offensive quality. You know, he is a better three point shooter than maybe Julius Marble. No, absolutely. But he's not that good. Like when you, yeah. And I guess that's embracing a three from the logo. Why did you take a logo three, Joseph? Please. 
Help us. Help us help you. The full first name, you know he's yeah. in He's in big trouble. I also wonder, like, as I reflect on my own feelings about Joey Hauser, I think to myself, like, am I more critical of him because he was, like, a highly touted transfer? Like, people were hype when if, we got him. If he right? was from southeastern Louisiana, maybe you don't feel as... And if there wasn't, like, remember the Hauser sweepstakes where everybody was yeah. like, oh, where are they going to go? Yeah, it was, was all hype, hype, hype about, like, where they were going to end up. And then yeah. his first season when he didn't get the NCAA waiver to play... We were mad. We were pissed. Everybody was pissed. Everybody was mad. Yeah. yeah, we were also, I think, extremely hurt that year. Was that the final four year? Wow. Yes. Sorry. It's, well, forget I even said that. Take it. I take it back. Take I'm it. Sorry. Forget. Forget that that came out of my mouth. But Michigan State was very banged up that year, and so we were like another body. Mm-hmm. We would like As it. As it turns out, it's just a body. It's not. A <laughs> well, like, that I will say this. I will go to bat for one thing. Okay. I do think that Joey Hauser will, in certain situations, excel. We saw it when he plays a team like Wisconsin. It, like, when that style comes out, it's Joey Hauser time. When it's a different style that is maybe un-Wisconsin-y, it's not Joey Hauser time. Side note, real quick on Wisconsin, I just got to butt in here. Brad Davison got a flop warning in his first game today. Also, he's still at Wisconsin. You're welcome. Back to Joey Hauser. Is he 25-2? Yeah, at minimum. <laughs> Not like job. He get, a flop warning. get a job. Not like he get a flop warning. He got a flop warning in the first 10 minutes of the game. Woo. 10 minutes into college basketball season, Inject Brad Davison is in these streets. Straight into like, my veins. That, you know what the worst part is? Is that's going to be on, like, ESPN's front page. Yeah, it's just and, and you know what the worst part is? We'll all click and be like, "Oh, we're I want to see it. <laughs> Show me." Oh. Uh, anyway, to, to, put a, to put a button on the Joey Hauser thing, I I agree with Curbs. I think that like he definitely can have a role on this team. I think that he's a good rebounder. Offensively, he can get it done. Um, but like to your point, he does not do some things. Like he's slow getting back on defense. You know that's problematic. His shot selection not great. And he starts. If he was coming off the bench, I would probably be less annoyed <laughs> about the whole thing. But he's in the starting five at Michigan State, and like, yeah, you, you got to be better expectations. than that. Yeah. Their expectations, and so you know, put him on the bench, and I'm less, I'm less. One but, one yeah. player we haven't talked about, which I find interesting, is Gabe Brown. Hmm. What do you <sighs> make of Gabe? Well, let's back up. The fact that we didn't talk about him, yeah. And it's minute whatever of the podcast is is an indictment in itself. Yeah, and yeah, I he's one too. We're like, I love him so much. I think he's so fun. He clearly loves Michigan State and the school, and fans love him. And he like brings the excitement and all of these things. But like, I I still want more from him as a senior. He's a senior, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, you shouldn't. He shouldn't be an afterthought in a game like this. Like, I love that AJ had a great 
game, but I don't want to have to rely on AJ Hogard to be our leading scorer every game. Um, I see that being more of a position where Gabe plugs in. That's why he's so electric and he can create so much, but also he can be wild out there, which maybe, you know, is a little bit of a, a detriment. But like the fact that we don't really have anything to say about him in a game of this magnitude, you know, be with the opponent. I'm a little, I'm concerned. Again, I'm not, you know, it's the first game. We're going to figure things out. We rarely win these early big ones. Fine. But like, I want more from him. I want that for him too, right? This is an audition um, for the rest of what your basketball career could look like. So I want him to play his best. Um, and I just don't think we got that tonight. And, you know, you hope it's to come. Um, but in, in, there are flashes. And it seems like that's the problem, is mm-hmm. their flashes. That's not him. You know, you want that to just be him. And and you saw it with, with the block. That was a foul that really seemed to kind of turn things. He, I think he got benched, you know, the, the Izzo 2 foul bench. Yep. Um, and then, you know, back to disappearing. And then showing up late when maybe, I don't want to say it's too late, but it's too late. It was too late. Yeah, let's be clear. It was too late at that point. Like, Kansas knew. They just had to press a little, and we were turning the ball over. It was like, you know, or not even at all. Sometimes we were just bouncing it off of our own feet. Like, they knew at that point. Um, and just, like, as a senior captain, this is a game where we need you, and we need you to be relevant through the whole thing, even with that two-foul benching. Like, you can earn your way back on the floor. Um, so, not a great game from our guy, Gabe. The thing about Gabe is that's frustrating is like he has the flashes, but he also has all the tools, right? He has the height. He has the athleticism. We know that he can shoot. It's just like where, and honestly, maybe they just need to like separate him and Marcus before the games because I feel like (laughs) both of them come out so ramped up. You know what I mean? Gabe actually does too much. He tries too hard. He like doesn't let the game come to him. So like, Maybe let's like buddy Gabe up with Christy and then like buddy Marky up with uh, Malik Hall, who are like. The I was gonna say, yeah, give him like Malik, who's like so yeah. even keeled. You know, let's let's get some. Let's let's not let those two like get each other <laughs> totally over a barrel, or because they both have the same problem. They come out and they're trying really hard to whatever level of success, and then like the second half starts and it's like what happened to Bingham? What happened to Gabe? Like where, even if they're on the floor, it's like, where are they? What are they doing? And that's frustrating. It they, both is. they both have it. They have it. And that's the problem. You're frustrated. And we're all frustrated because it's there and you just want to see it a little more consistently. And as a senior, you hope that that would be the time, but the team does have to move on. So do we. Uh, and they will on Friday against Good Western. transition curbs. Good transition. Thank you. The Broncos. Uh, not a great Broncos team, folks. This is a team picked near the bottom of the Mid-American Conference. Um, but there are some additions that you might, might remember from last year and some fun facts about them as well. The Artis White, point guard last year, had 19 points, five rebounds, and six assists. But more importantly, a social media star, I hear. So I Googled B artist last year when he was doing a, a boo-booey to Michigan State in this game. And he has 1.4 million followers on TikTok. Wow. Which That's is insane. And like, lot. and he plays um, for Western. It's not like he's like at UNC. You know what I mean? Like it's just, 
as a millennial who's on TikTok every day, I don't understand. <laughs> See, and I don't subscribe to TikTok. What my theory on it is, if the video is good enough, it will find me. So I don't need that in my life. So I'm just wondering, like, what does he do on there that gets him that many followers? I'm not gonna look again. If he's good enough, it will find me. But I just want to put that out there. I don't. I don't understand. It's some it. basketball content. It's like some dance content. He's just like kind of a good-looking guy, which you know, uh, I, it seems to be on TikTok. If you can find the right spot in the algorithm, and you're like kind of good-looking, you can yeah. get a lot of followers. But I hope he yeah. can make some money on it now. That's what I, I hope for him. Good. Like for get him. that TikTok cash. Also, yeah. don't cash in against us again again this year because. I hated it last year, and I hated the fact that they had to say his full name every time, B. Artist White. It wasn't just like, and White hits another three. It was the full name every time, which really drove me nuts when he was lighting this up. It's Well, I, think, I wonder if that has to do with the algorithm. It's, an, it's, a, it's a very, it's a nice name. It's like an author. You know, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it catches the eye when you're scrolling through. I don't know. Something there. Titus Wright. <laughs> 6'8", power forward. He had a career high last year against Michigan State. 16. I would like to think that if Marcus Bingham can do well against uh, bargain bin Dwight Howard, he can lock up Titus Wright. Do we feel that way? Do we feel like that can happen? I I hope that everyone... I need more positivity. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, spin zone, spin zone, spin zone. I hope that everyone goes into this game and realizes that they are not playing Kansas and that they are like, oh, yeah, we are good at basketball, and they decide to be good at basketball. Like, that's what I hope. I hope that everyone remembers that they are good at basketball. And, and so I, and obviously they're capable, right? I do not want them to allow another 19 points to the TikTok star and 16 points to Titus Wright. I can't say their names together or I will – they're too similar. <laughs> so that's, yes, they can and they will and they should, but you know, we have a tendency to do stupid things. It's not, yeah, this is, if there's ever a nice warm up for, uh, Maryland, the football game, this would be a tune up. Everyone can get the good vibes going, hopefully into Saturday's game. But before, uh, we start to talk football. So some things happened, good things, bad things, and everyone in between. We're going to take a commercial break. We're going to try to. We're going to try to take a commercial break. And so this is the, how we do it. We just say three, two, one, and then we're quiet for a while. So then I can find that part on the podcast. That's, that's a peek behind the curtain. Everybody. We're so, ready. <laughs> in three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back. Wow. That was magical. I hope it was a good commercial, everyone. Yeah. Sometimes I've heard that there are some things that maybe I wouldn't personally endorse, but who knows? Um, We've got no control here. I have no control. (laughs) (laughs) Over anything, really. (laughs) 
So guys, um, you know, we're going to, we promised everyone we're going to stay away from the true doom and gloom. There can be some doom, but not doom and gloom. Okay. Michigan State did lose uh, in West Lafayette, 40 to 29, the first blemish on uh, the dream season's record. And, you know, it's a bummer. It's not great. But is it that bad? You guys tell me. So I will, I will note that it was like maybe half an hour before kickoff when Sarah and I agreed to come on and do the pod this week. And Sarah and I, I don't think we have ever discussed a win. I don't think so. It's us, but it might be us. We are implying that, which is troublesome considering, you know, we like when we, when we pop on here. Um, and I, I were, I was worried when I saw that message from you, John, that like, we're going to send it, you know, this is going to be a bad situation and it is, but I will say this, it's not as bad as the Northwestern basketball game we had to cover last year. So Mm -hmm. spin zone, not so bad, not so bad. Listen, nobody wants to lose to Purdue. I'll say it. I'm comfortable saying that. Um, But if you're going to lose to Purdue, you might as well just like completely show your ass. Can I swear? I did. Sorry about that. Because that's, that's what we did here. Um, and I think it was kind of, it wasn't anything new, to be honest with you. The issues that we had in this game were issues that we'd had all season, but had managed to escape, I guess, from the other games. Um, and also like, it's not the end of the season. I think there are a couple things that everybody keeps saying, but like, we're all going to keep repeating it as a fan base because it's important. Very. All of our goals are still in front of us. Yes. Okay. That's number one. We number number two, we were supposed to win four games this year. Okay, we've we've got eight. Also, recall the 2015 Nebraska loss. I got shot, but I, I don't have. Game. I don't like it. We don't want to. <laughs> Just remember, we also lost that game, and you know, we ended up okay. So. It's not the end of the world. Nobody wanted to watch that game happen, and we all kind of saw it looming in the distance, right? Like, this is a possibility. Purdue does this. This is Purdue's favorite activity mm-hmm. is the only reason for existing. The only one. The big drum and upsetting top five football teams. That is it for Purdue. They've got nothing else. They've got an engineering and, school, I guess. Whatever. We're not giving them credit for that. This is what they do, and they did it. So, you know, here we are. I think it's funny because I feel like this loss in a lot of ways is like Michigan State getting out Michigan Stated in some ways. Like I think John and Austin mentioned a couple weeks ago that like that scrappy underdog thing is MSU's brand. And I'm sure it's very annoying to everyone else. It is also Purdue's brand, especially. It's like just way worse. Way worse. Way scrappy. (laughs) But like this is their brand. They come in with a big chip on their shoulder and like this is this is where they live. This is what they do. I think the other thing about this game is like kind of what Sarah said. This Michigan State team, and I'm not afraid to say it, is deeply flawed in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. Deeply. Big huge flaws. And this is how you can tell I'm not a Michigan fan, but I am a Michigan State fan. I will say <laughs> oh, yes. yes. This team is deeply flawed. And up until this point, they've had enough talent to overcome the deep flaws. And what was different about this game? One, injuries. A lot of injuries to very important people. Yeah. Not having Speedy Naylor. Not having a starting left tackle. Not having your field goal kicker. Your kicker. Our beautiful <laughs> ginger prince. That, not that great. Was, that was, 
Okay, but that one, I like that happened in warmups. So like your freshman kicker, no way to prepare for it. Who has a club on his hand because everybody's hand is broken. What what activity was he doing? <laughs> I don't. How does that Again, even like come up? Practicing karate in our spare time. I, I'm telling you, I'm worried about the keep chopping metaphor. All you see on the sidelines is Tucker chopping, chopping. Guys, we don't need to chop so hard that we all break hands. We don't need that. Not right now. Not like this. Speedy, we need you. Two hands. Well, we don't know that he broke his hand, but like all assumption is that he's Al Halliday. Club. I mean, he can play with a club because that's yeah. fine. He can go out there and Jason Pierre and Paul people, but do we? Nobody knows what the what Maddie's injury is, right? And we won't know probably. Oh, never. <sighs> I'd like him to come back. So, but the other thing about this game, okay, yeah. So injuries. Yeah, injuries. Check. The other thing about this game is that Purdue has the unfortunate combination of uh, a decent to good quarterback and. One of the best receivers in the Big Ten, if not the country. Uh, David Bell continues, to, David Bell. <laughs> continues <laughs> to haunt me. He had 11 catches, 217 yards. Guys, they're going to throw to David Bell. I don't know. I'm just going to say it. That's what they're going to do. So, you know, sorry, I'm going to slander Michigan again here because I think. <laughs> Welcome. Purdue, Purdue had 536 passing yards, which is absurd. Um, and I, but I think what we saw in, in Michigan is that they had what 420 some passing yards, and they also had a crazy number of passing yards. And what they didn't have was a receiver of Bell's caliber. Mm-hmm. And Cade McNamara is couldn't get it done in crunch time, right? That's just that's just a fact. That's not slander. Um, so you know this 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 game was pretty much the worst case scenario in a bunch of ways. Purdue has a great defense. They have incredibly good passing threats. Michigan State had a bunch of injuries. They're on the road. It was the week after the Michigan game. I would like to see stats on the game MSU plays after the Michigan game. I think I read something that we're like 11-3 and three after the Michigan game. Like oh, the great. stats are surprisingly positive for us. Yeah, and, again, we don't, we don't fact check here. Um, I may have made that up. But I'm pretty sure that's what I saw, that, like, that's generally. Just, that's just my personal opinion, that every time we lose after we beat Michigan, I just feel it very acutely. So that's oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, and here, here's the other thing is, you know, I think my my weird take on this one is Purdue is the perfect problem for this team. You know, the injuries certainly compounded that. These – this – scheme both Michigan State and Purdue are are the opposite this is bad news for us it's the worst matchup we can have it it's fine when you play an air raid that can't play defense western Kentucky yeah yeah there you go Mm -hmm. it's a problem when you play an air raid because this scheme is predicated on saying hey other team college quarterback throw the ball 50 times and it can you win the game throwing the ball 50 times some can. That kid from Western Kentucky was very comfortable doing that. Yeah. You know, CJ Stroud. I'm going to say his name because it's great. Yeah. Exactly. Any reason. To say <laughs> Any reason. Aiden O'Connell, he's used to throwing the ball 45 to 50 times a game. He's not great, but he's that's what they do. So they're not wasting rushing downs against Michigan State's stout defense. 
Like they, they don't waste downs. Mm-hmm. And and Michigan State defense is just like, hey, you can throw on us all day. If your quarterback can beat us, great. There aren't too many quarterbacks that can beat us because we have a great offense. And it's just the it was like the perfectly wrong combo, it felt like. I yeah. will say the one thing that really bothered me was that it appeared that tackling was optional more times than I would like. Yeah. And you just, you haven't seen a lot of misses like that this year, right? It just seemed like they'd get there and then they'd they'd let him go. Like um, the quarterback, and this is just going to be like, it felt like he escaped like four times and then had a massive pass to David Bell. And it was just like, guys, all you had to do was, was tackle him and it was it was over right that so flicker or double reverse or yeah it was yeah they had him stopped maybe like that 20 yes. from the line of scrimmage and and nothing and nothing and that that one was the one where I was like this is you know you're watching a game and like things are going not great but they're they're not terrible and then sometimes and it's just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just sometimes something that breaks you and that was it for me I was just mm-mm. you know so I think that if my, my point of view, I think, wonder if you guys think about this, is that Michigan State's coaching staff came in and they had a, a roster that was not elite. And they've created a scheme that is allowing them to win eight out of nine games. And the only things that it's vulnerable against are elite teams, which every scheme is if you don't have talent. So no big deal. Yeah. And an air raid attack with, with an above average defense. I think that's okay. There aren't too many teams that are air raid and plus defense. So, like, listen, Sarah and I survived the John L. Smith era. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> somebody coming in and in gear two with, yeah. as Jonathan is saying, the second worst team. He's the second worst team. Yeah. And being eight and one and beating Michigan and, you know, still having anything you would want to get in front of you on the schedule, right. not a problem. Very much not a problem. Yeah, and I yeah. just want to note that even against a team in air raid with a plus defense, Michigan State, if you if you look at the averages, Purdue was seven for seven in the red zone red zone. They average going seventy seven percent during the year in the red zone. Michigan State averages giving up eighty seven percent of the time points in the red zone. So if you average that out, Purdue probably should have should have gone six out of seven on, on a normal game. They went seven out of seven. They made great plays and they won the game. That's not, that's not saying, hey, if, but, but when. It's just stats. Yeah. So if they went six out of seven, like a normal day, Michigan State has the ball to either tie or win. And, and that's not to say they should have won. It's just to say that even against that scheme, still, you can still win. And, and can I say, uh, my, my partner said this during the game. I saw it on Twitter. When Michigan State was down 16 in the fourth quarter, is there honestly anyone among us who was not like, well, right where we want him, right where we want him? No yeah. problem here. And, yeah. and having survived the zero offense years, right? I think oh, that sure. that being in that position where you think, oh, your team can score, your team has the ability to contest this game, yes. is a huge leap. Is it? And it's not something that all teams can say when they're down sixteen points, you know, or when they're down ten points, or when they're down. You know, whatever. So I, I think that that was really positive. Um, another well, weird thing I want to talk about from this game, why is Michigan State so good at two-point conversions? That is a good question. 
yeah. like they're I, I think they have a lot of offensive weapons and I think they practice them. That was a story after the Michigan yeah. game, but like Three for real good at them. <laughs> yeah. And and none of them were just like give the ball to Kenneth Walker, which would right. be a very which would be great. Play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like actual plays. <laughs> I mean, speaking of our Heisman guy, our little our little Heisman hopeful, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't a bad game from him. 146 yards on uh, and one touchdown. Like that's 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 pretty good. I mean, it's not five touchdowns, which, as you recall, it's not a game that's going to tank a Heisman campaign. Like, when no. you're looking at his numbers and you're looking at a Heisman campaign, you're not circling this game. You're circling the freaking Nebraska game where he had, like, 61 yards, you know? So, yeah. he played great. I guess I just feel hyper-aware of it because it's, like, to even have somebody in contention right. as a Michigan State athlete, you know, for a Heisman candidate, it's just, like, they're watching us with an extra microscope, yeah. right? Because they want to write him out. They don't want us to have a Heisman <laughs> winner, but... The year, I mean, the people who are also in it is Matt Coral, right? Uh, yeah. Ole Miss lost to Auburn, you know, which is whatever. Auburn's not a bad team, but it's also not like he didn't play great. There's the guy from Pitt. What's his name? Kenny Pickford. Kenny Pickett. Pickett. What? <laughs> is that really his name? I feel like Kenny Pickford is somebody else. Again, no fact. <laughs> anyway, this is a, this is a digression. Anyway, there's that guy. He's good. I mean, we're not saying any of these people are bad. It's just not a year where you have like. A absolutely crazy dominant, you know, Trevor Lawrence or, you know, a quarterback or receiver who's out there like absolutely the best player in college football. So like the last couple weeks are going to determine a lot, but I definitely think that Walker is still in the conversation. He hasn't put himself out. Absolutely. And this loss absolutely does not put him out. There's no one else. Conversation. There's no, yes, that's, that's essentially what I'm saying. Who else are you going to give it to? Exactly. <laughs> Sean Robinson? We were talking, I think I was talking with Sheehan and, and Will Hunter about this. Uh, and we said, what can they, would this be the year that they just say Georgia D line? Just, just, I mean, if I, that's I'll fair, win. like, and if they decided to do that, I would sure. allow it because Georgia right. is so good. So, and there's been yeah. many years when the Heisman has deserved to go to a defensive player, like Ndamukong yeah. Sue comes to mind, yeah. Aaron Donald. I don't know. Like, and, and they never give it to a defensive player. Charles yeah. Woodson had to return kicks to get the Heisman, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. so if they want to give it to a linebacker from, I can't, here, here's the one name that I don't know. The guy from Georgia who's really good, <laughs> if they want to give it to that guy, the scariest yeah. linebacker in college football, uh, right. that's fine. I'm good with that. That's who deserves yeah. it. But I think, Yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, uh, not that you would ever – endanger a win with with individual stats, but but I think they go hand in hand. The more Kenneth Walker touches the ball, the more unlikely we're going to win. And, and we got away from that in the Purdue game. Yeah. Um, we were playing from behind a little bit, so I kind of get it, but you know, Kenneth Walker, I think, only had like five carries in the second half. And yeah. You feel that's like not great. that's not enough for if you got a Heisman candidate. <laughs> and the other thing about Walker is, like, when you look at his stats, when you look at, like, if you talk about, like, Bijan Robinson, or the, the running backs for Michigan. Um, we also have, like, an incredibly good passing attack and several very good receivers. Like, his touchdown numbers are not as high as some other people because, oh, sometimes we throw touchdowns, you know? <laughs> so, like, when you look at his component of the offense, you know, you have to 
he, he doesn't carry the whole offense all the time. And like, you know, maybe he showed a little bit more. We also say, I do, I do wonder they should that run other now, plays, then give it to Kenneth Walker. But. Yeah. I do wonder that now, like, not that we don't have like other capable receivers, um, now that Speedy is out, but I do wonder if they adjust a little bit and go back to, to running more with, with K9. Um, Mostly I mean, Trey, Trey Mosley played great. And then Montori Foster was also excellent. I enjoyed, I enjoyed him out there, but I guess like, you know, you're taking a little bit of a step down when you lose Speedy. Like that's just a fact because, um, Peyton is so comfortable with him. Um, and with Reed, did you know they went to, um, high school together? That's important. <laughs> um, so I do wonder like what, what we adjust now, like if they know for sure that Speedy's out for the rest of the year, cool. Let's see if we, if we go back to, to Kenneth and, and try and, and run it. I'm, I'm less worried about offense, to be honest with you. Yeah. I feel like we're going to find a way. I, I worry about, you know, what the defense does, um, from here, like, you know, third downs that, that was a problem, um, in this mm. game. Yeah. yeah. That, that was a problem. And there were some heinous, penalties to be clear and this isn't really the targeting like that is what it is yeah you know it's the penalties on punting you know the yeah. that was right we're not to be clear we're not talking about bad calls we're talking about penalties that are stupid for me. penalties that are stupid on my team i'm not criticizing the officials no, no, no. procedural penalties, illegal motions false starts like pre-snap procedural shit that is just execution so easy. Like we're we're the, in week ten. The illegal motion one that negated the Oh my god, the beautiful punt. Incredible punt, yeah. incredible save by the special teams unit. Like you gave up fifty yards of field position there. Like you just gave it away. You yeah. got nothing in return for it. You just gave it away. By being like, what what do we attribute that to? Like why is that still happening for a coach who preaches discipline discipline? Yeah. You're, we're missing a piece here. Like somebody's not getting it. Cause that's dumb shit. Like the targeting is subjective, right? Like mm-hmm. officials are going to call that either way. Not a whole lot you can do, you know, pass interference to me is also very subjective, like whatever. But like just some of those penalties are so stupid that it's yeah. just like in a game like that, when you're not playing your best and Purdue came to play, you can't afford any of that. None of it, you know, so that's where that I think that's where my concern is. Like, where do you adjust from here? What answers do you have? Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're having fewer injuries. Like our corner situation mm-hmm. is bleak, right? Like, and it was already not spectacular. So, mm-hmm. you know, the speculation now, of course, is that Brantley is out um, for the year. Nobody has said for sure, um, but. You know, Curbs, you pointed out the Instagram post he made about getting ready for year two, which when you're in the middle of year one, um, that yeah. doesn't feel great, you know? Talk to me the word adversity. Again, not good. Not good. <laughs> the, signs, the signs are not good. Yeah, and Mel Tucker, you know, injuries, which probably a good thing. You know, it's just like, keep it close to the vest. No advantages for the other team, but... You know, sometimes you say things without saying things, and uh, it, it, it's unfortunate. <laughs> you said it's thin. It is. We might see some people who've never uh, seen a lot of field uh, time in three very critical games coming up, so even more pressure on the offense, you know, to, to, to keep up. But, um, you know, enough about this Purdue. I mean, we don't have to do this anymore. No. We don't. I think it's we over. can all agree 
We hate losing. It's not the end of the world. We can answer on Saturday by tipping some turtles. We're going to tip <laughs> them turtles. Tip You're welcome. <laughs> Before then, let's uh, let's take a walk around the country and the Big Ten. We had a f- bunch of fun games. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to tune into any of them, but the first one, I didn't see any of it, but I was enthralled. I was game casting, and it was uh, one of those where you couldn't uh, get a lot of alerts when you had the score alert. So there weren't any. Auburn at Texas A&M, it was 3-3 three to three at halftime. And I got to tell you, the SEC gets way too much credit. Too much credit. I'm sick of it. If those are a big 10 game, <laughs> team teams. Yeah, top 15. Allegedly. Allegedly. I'm, Auburn, number 12 in the country, scored three points. Is that correct? Is that the yeah. It's, um, and it's kind of unacceptable. Like, come on. We need a little better from that. And I don't know if it even ultimately matters because these are teams that, you know, don't matter in the scheme of the playoff. But it's just like, you know, it's just these types of the games for the narrative is like, oh, look how deep the SEC is. Yeah. But if insert, you know, Illinois and Ohio, <laughs> any other Purdue, then it's like, God, that's that that conference is garbage. Would you recall a nine overtime Illinois football <laughs> game, for example, which was the best football game in the world? And the worst football game. But in the SEC, that would have been the best football game, hands down. Or even if it's two, like, bigger name Big Ten teams, like Wisconsin and Iowa, let's say, and it's three at halftime, it would be like, oh, there's no offense in the Big Ten. I went to a bar and watched Alabama play LSU in a game that ended up being nine to six. Like, (laughs) and if that happened happened in the Big Ten, it would just be nothing but, oh, the conference is so out of date. Blah, 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 Yeah, so the SEC sometimes is wrong. They get, and you know, they get so much credit because Alabama is unbeatable. And I get it. Like, <laughs> I understand why they get the credit. Alabama wins every year, whatever, whatever. But I'll tell you, I'm sick of it. And that's We're, what I'm going to say. They're on watch. Um, <laughs> so uh, San Diego State was the favorite team of the pod. Uh, we've moved on since their loss. The new favorite team is the UTSA Roadrunners, not to be confused with the USTA, which no. is, was unfortunately um, labeled by BARDA, the playoff committee host. And it's like, dude, you didn't. not only did you not rank them, you got their initials. You disrespected their name, guys. Yeah, Come on. But the Roadrunners are 9-0, and and they beat uh, the best. They, they beat Illinois. They also beat UTEP uh, by yeah, 21 last week, and that was a it was a good UTEP team, a team with two losses. Good being a relative term, obviously. Sure. But uh, I think at the very least, these guys deserve to be ranked. Were and were they? I did, I did the playoff rankings. Um, I'm looking yeah. now because I knew. Yeah, they're uh, 20. No, who are you talking about? I missed UTEP. UTSA. Yeah, they're 23, right? Vindicate. Under. San Diego State. Great. That's what we need. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm happy. That's all we need. And you know what? Keep on marching, Roadrunners. <laughs> we support you. I'd like to see it. Did you guys catch the North Carolina Wake Forest score? Yes, I, I did. I saw the end of it because it was yeah. on before our game. Tell this score should be illegal. Like, this score, this is a basketball score. It's incredible. 
55 North Carolina win over previously undefeated Wake Forest. You'd like to think if they had Kenneth Walker on their team, they would have had a few more points. Okay, but a difference. And we say that in jest, but like, what what is happening at Wake Forest? They run like what? Do they run a triple option? They were, they run some crazy offensive scheme, and he just wasn't getting like the. They, the yeah, yeah he's. I mean, he he has called that out that like they weren't running a scheme that worked for him and and whatever. But like, really, what I know about Wake Forest is: has anybody watched the show QB One on Netflix? Because it it features the Wake Forest quarterback, Sam Hartman. Um, And so I know an extraordinary amount about his life. That's not for this podcast, um, but fascinating story. I recommend checking it out. So I do check in on Wake Forest every once in a while to see what he's up to. Turns out scoring a lot of points. um, So good for him. But, yeah, that game was wild. It was just like absolutely no defense. Nobody cared. It was like, well, we're just going to score again. And then the scoring stopped for Wake Forest, which was yeah. unfortunate. You can't win many games when you can't score anymore. Um, and then UMC out of nowhere was just like, okay, cool. We'll take over from here and just started scoring all of the points. That's expert analysis that you can't pay for. Yeah, so. that was incredible. I feel like I was there. Do you think if anyone cared about UNC football that they would find this team frustrating? Because I feel like UNC does this. Like, they they – pretend to be good and they're not. I also think also that's can't why that anyone gives. I don't think anybody cares there, which is why they hired somebody like Mac Brown, right? Because it's like, it literally doesn't matter what he does as long as they have a basketball team and they'll have a basketball team for the rest of eternity. Right. Like Northwestern. Yeah. With a basketball team. Yeah, exactly. But like, it's a name and people were like, Oh, this football name, he's coming to coach us amazing and then nobody knows what they do nobody has any idea if they had a game if they won if they lost nobody cares he's living the dream honestly as a football coach best job yeah is that where Mitch Trubisky won oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. it's about on the nose though right I feel like let's yeah I feel like that's the end of that's the end and we're moving on (laughs) so fun fact about Mac Brown he was the head coach at North Carolina from 1988 to 1997. Yikes. And, and then went to Texas. And people like to say that he is currently pulling a Texas at North Carolina. But he start, he originated it at North Carolina. <laughs> you know, being, nobody is ever asking if UNC football is back. Right. Exactly. Right. They are just talented here. and here. loud, but not actually doing it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, um, man, North Carolina, they're always seem to be on the cusp. They have a Sam Hart or their quarterback, sorry, Sam Howell. He's a first round pick. Allegedly. Just like, yes. So who knows? Um, that works out for whoever reaches too far and the lions, the lions are picking them up. No one deserves that. Baylor went in to play Texas Christian. This game was relevant, not just because Texas Christian upset Baylor 30-28, but Gary Patterson quit right before the game. Yeah. This would be like if D'Antonio quit right before the game. Like, they had been there for a long time and had made TCU relevant, had some good years, and TCU's quarterback was out. So they pulled it together. Big up. MSU played TCU in a bowl not that long ago. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. They won? 
Phenomenal. Connor Cook's first. Uh, no, they lost, right? No, we, they won the game. They took in in the fourth quarter, and he he uh, pulled yeah. it out, showing signs of what he would become. Exactly. How did I forget? Our friend Connor. I it's know. okay. We it, were discussing it, the 2014 season earlier, and apparently Sarah and I forgot the entire season. So you can be excused <laughs> for forgetting the Thank 2012 you. Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl or whatever. <laughs> there is a final game. Uh, that the Sarahs were adamant we add, and I need to learn a little bit more. San Diego State's punter did something. Listen, it's not even about the game. It is specifically about the, the punter. And, like, again, if I had really been doing my research, I would learn how to pronounce his name, but I didn't. His name is Matt Erazia, I think. Mm. He had a 79-yard punt. Like, and it's chaos. They and Hawaii set up a receive a returner at the thirty, and then another returner at the ten, just to see, you know, like just to have it covered, depending on how far he kicked. And it went over both of them, both yeah, of them. I mean, we all know punt to win, hero. punt to win, and what that's where hero. they are. What a hero! Legend. Yeah, exactly. So he's my new favorite player. Um, sorry to all the Michigan State fellas, but I've moved on to a punter. I was asking if he has any eligibility and if we could get Mel on the phone to talk him into jumping in the transfer portal because jump in. I love it. You know what though? Bryce Beringer has done a great job, but it's unfortunately for him, there is like this Hercules right? punter. It should be illegal unless he plays for my team, in which case, good for you, sir. Yeah, so true. anyway, that's all I wanted to say about that. I was so hyped to read about him. <laughs> so let's jump to other very Big Ten things like punting. Uh, let's jump through the, the results this back, past weekend. Ohio State uh, went to Nebraska. You thought Scott Frost was maybe coaching for his job? Nope. Apparently not. All Ohio his State assistants wins. were, though. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Ohio State wins 26-17. to 17, And um, Scotty Frost gets a, another year, but as you mentioned, Sarah, I don't think anyone else did. No, I think they fired all of his assistants, right? Oh, Which, they still have, like, two more games to go. That's what I'm saying. Like, what do you do now? Like, yeah, there are other assistant coaches on the team, but, like, how is that going to help anything right now? Right? I, I, I remain If you're Nebraska, is there anything that's helping this season? Like, mm-hmm. Sarah and I were texting no. this game when it was happening, and, like, First of all, Ohio State needs to stop messing around and making me think that somebody can beat them. And, yeah. and the other thing is, how frustrating is it if you're a Nebraska fan? Because they've made every team they've played look bad to average, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. yet, they have won no games. I know. None none games. And it's it's just like, how do you keep your job if you're Scott Frost after a yeah. thing like that? How do you convince the AD who's been there since July that, like, next year – it's going to be fun. You're going to, this is Nebraska football. It's Lucy with the freaking football and Charlie Brown, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like enough football is going to get yanked away and Nebraska is going to stink on ice again. And like, that's it. Yeah. Nebraska's a fraud. Like as a program. <laughs> I. Can you call a program a fraud if they don't win? Like, Here's my thing. They came into the Big Ten, and it was all like, oh, Nebraska is going to dominate the anchor of this division, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. They stink. It's they true. freaking stink, and they have stinked ever since the day they came to the Big Ten. It's true. Stinked? Correct. Stinked. Oh. We're going to allow it. I have a master's degree in a writing-based discipline. <laughs> <laughs> Illinois 
went to Woo! the cities um, and took down the Gulfs 14 to six. Um, I don't even know what to say. Like Minnesota controlled its own destiny on the path to Indianapolis. They just couldn't do this. Look, CJ Fleck got a big fat check and said, see you losers later. Like figure yeah. it out yourselves. Like the Big Ten West <laughs> is infuriating. It's so maddening. Like it's just they do you do they, they'll ever do something about these divisions? No. I, I don't think so, but I don't I you'd think they'd have to. But here's the thing. You look across the head to heads, and I believe the Big Ten West has a better record in in the against Big Ten East this year. And so I mean Purdue, is Purdue in the Big Ten West now? Yes. Yeah. Purdue is really dragging that average up. Well, they are <laughs> certainly helping the cause. But then, you know, everyone's beaten up on Nebraska and Northwestern, but you know, it's not like the Big Ten East doesn't have Indiana who's two and seven. You yeah. know, this, Poor this Indiana. R. I. P. to that story. Yeah. The problem is not the bottom half of the two divisions, it's the top half. You know, like there's not a lot of elite. Yeah. And you look at the East and you've got Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, and then you look at the West and you've got, you know, the Gophers who can't stop screwing up long enough to like win the division. And that's like always the story over there. It's like somebody messes around and ends up the Big Ten West champion and it's like and they're they're always there was that one year Michigan State beat Iowa where Iowa wasn't terrible. Right. But, but that's like, the nicest that's thing. the best you can say, yeah. <laughs> they weren't terrible. Yeah. I that's would give up the Michigan game every year to play in the Big Ten West. I <laughs> Illinois threw the ball ten times this game. Uh, <sighs> it, was, it was certainly – And they won. They won. They did. <laughs> Something only a mother could love. <laughs> um, Wisconsin went to Rutgers. And won fifty-two to three. Wisconsin is rolling right now. I thought Wisconsin was dead. I we should have known better. That. And that's one of the worst offenses. I mean, I haven't watched Wisconsin in a couple of weeks, but the last time I watched them, I was like, "This is one of the worst offenses I have oh, ever seen." Fifty-two points, Rucker. They figured it out, and you know, it's all pre- you know this defense of theirs is right up there with like Georgia. Yeah, you know, I don't want to. Very good. I don't want to say they are at that level, but they get to talk about being in the same stratosphere. And I'm just astonished that these guys just have been carrying this. You mentioned their offense is so bad, but now the offense is just simply below average and look at what they're doing. Right. And that in itself is, is you start to look across Ahead to Indianapolis, you start to say, is it just going to be Ohio State, Wisconsin again? Uh, And that's a little frustrating. But then at the same time, you start to ask yourself, could this Wisconsin team in that defense compete, you know, within Ohio State? And you could maybe. When you look at the Michigan State teams that have beaten Ohio State, right, that's how they did it. Right, that's mm-hmm. you've been with and against a team like that with an incredibly elite defense. And so people are asking. (laughs) It's <laughs> what we can say. It's, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I mean, I don't know. They, all that no one was ever asking Graham Mertz to throw for 300 yards a game. I didn't was, hear it. <laughs> not one person. And all they needed is just to be competent. And here they come, the Badgers. You know. So yeah. I, I think that the, the question about that division is just like, who wants to win? Who's going to screw up the least? And I think when it comes to Wisconsin. They 
have a tendency to screw up less <laughs> than the other teams yeah. that are in yeah, contention in this division. They're they're steady. They're like a buying stock in like oil. You know, it's just gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be. Yeah, it's just gonna do what it does. Yeah. Penn State went to in uh, Maryland College Park, won thirty-one to fourteen in, in a game that was um, closer than the score appears. Uh, if you had Maryland ten and a half, so sorry. Penn State scored on a basically eighty-yardish interception return for a touchdown as time expired. So you were golden if you had Maryland because it was supposed to be – it was really 24-14. And in the fourth quarter, is a one-possession game. So it looks bad. So you, there are a couple takeaways here. Is Penn State, you know, maybe what we thought they were? Or then they turned around and played well against Ohio State. You know, are they good? Are they bad? Is Maryland as bad as they are? I, I still can't get a read on these guys. Yeah, I've got not, I don't have a whole lot to offer to the analysis of this game, except for like, for Penn State, a healthy Sean Clifford like changes their entire universe, right? Like we saw what they look like when they don't have him and yikes guys, but yeah, I, I don't have much more to say than that. Like Penn State is an entirely different team when he's involved. Yeah, I have some notes on this game for when we talk about Maryland that I'm going to save. But, yeah, I think Sean Clifford is the best quarterback in the Big Ten. And, yeah, he's in the conversation, right? And so, like, him being healthy obviously makes a huge difference. I I do think it's funny, though, to watch them in the Ohio State game and be like, this is the team that couldn't score in nine overtimes against against Illinois. At home. Against Illinois. Yeah. If you have ever been to Beaver Stadium – not scoring in nine overtimes at Beaver Stadium is, it's insane. There's 110,000 people there. Like, it's crazy. It's hard. You know, speaking of hard to do, Iowa and Northwestern, uh, the Hawkeyes won 17 to 12, which is a very big 10 score, if I do say my, so myself. Yeah. 15 total punts for all you punt <laughs> there. Um, Iowa played their backup quarterback in this game. They, they've moved on from Spencer Petras and uh, on to their QB2. I don't know if this is the result they were hoping for. Some Iowa fans are saying they thought it was better than before. If this is better, um, okay. Remember when they were ranked number two? Mm, that was a sad little time in our lives. Right? Like, how did that even happen? We all just kind of got, got out of hand. I, I think I think that we all includes people who have not watched Iowa for years yeah, because I think that's true. in this corner of the world mm-hmm. we were all a little uh, down on mm-hmm. frisky Iowa. It was a little too much dip on their chip. Felt like. yeah. The it's, definition of too much dip on the chip was number two Iowa. Like we <laughs> knew, but to your point, Sarah, like I don't know if everyone in California and maybe like the East Coast really like knew what they were getting themselves into. Not familiar with Kirk Ferentz. No. <laughs> no. Not familiar with his work. No. College football. The final game, Michigan went uh, to Indiana and won 29-7. This was a standard Michigan game. Squeeze the life out of a team with a bad quarterback. Um, but these aren't the games that define Jim Harbaugh. Uh, we'll, and there are a couple to come. Good for so. you. Although, do you remember when Indiana was, like, kind of good and it was during the Rich Rod era and those games would be, like, Yes. Like Forest, North Carolina game. I missed yes. that. That was great. Kevin Wilson, 
Um, like 58 to, to you know, incredible. 52 or whatever. Yeah, great stuff. Fun times. Yeah, now yeah. they're dropping seven points. This can't be fun. Uh-uh. No. Um, so here are the upcoming national games. Uh, we don't have the rank. I don't have the rankings in front of me quite yet, but they should be um, fairly top 25. Oklahoma at Baylor. This might be the best team Oklahoma has played yet. Allegedly. Oklahoma is 8 and Baylor is 13. Uh, Baylor did just lose. They did, but they only dropped yeah. maybe one. One, yeah. One spot, yeah. Which is surprising. Um, that just kind of maybe speaks to the depth of the entire. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just seeing Oklahoma at 9 and 0 is only 8, which I think, I don't know, people well, are done with Oklahoma. Which is odd. They're a blue blood. You know, you'd yeah. think that they just get in by name brand, but, you know, they do have three straight games against ranked opponents, I think, that if they win all three, you'd like to think that they'd probably have a case for the playoff, but who knows? You know, maybe eight and one Michigan State being ranked higher than nine and oh Oklahoma is it's interesting. That I find hard to believe. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, I think people are skeptical of Oklahoma too because of their quarterback controversy. For sure. Um, you know, benching uh Spencer Rattler, who was also on that QB one show, just uh for the record. Um <laughs> I, you know, it seems to be working for them, but I think people are just maybe skeptical of who they actually are. And I think people are just skeptical of the Big 12 in general. You know, yeah. like I just think it, it hasn't held up. I agree. Yeah, um, a couple other big ones. NC State at Wake Forest maybe lost a little bit of luster, but I think the important thing that we take away from this is that NC State and, uh, and Wake Forest are both ranked, and that just doesn't happen a lot. Yep. I see games like this and I'm like, this is a basketball game. Right. That's what I was thinking. They're not ranked in, they're not ranked in football, but you see they're yeah, ranked no. in basketball. It's so yes. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame at Virginia. This one could be fun because Virginia scores a ton of points. I think the other thing, Michigan State eight and one easily ranked ahead of an eight and one Notre Dame team. We love to see it. There's nothing we love to see more, honestly. That's pretty wild that. I think it's just really interesting that Notre Dame could could go 11-1 and not make the playoff. And I think if you had said that in any other year, that would be crazy. Yeah. But this year, everyone unanimously kind of agrees. Like, yeah, no, they suck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I think there are a couple of things there. I also feel like, I mean, Notre Dame is always going to be Notre Dame, but I also feel like the bloom is off the rose there a little bit. Like, people realize that you've had – half of your schedule with service schools and garbage teams. And like, yeah. it's not that impressive. We we all have the internet now and we can see who you're playing. <laughs> and the other thing is they got waxed by Cincinnati. I mean, they got absolutely waxed. And like, that really complicates the occasion, the equation, because if you're going to argue that Cincinnati is good and deserves to be in the, in the playoff conversation, then you have to, you have to take it away from Notre Dame. Like, right. Absolutely. Yeah, the only way that math works. Yep. Absolutely. Here comes to the rock uh, fight part of the pod, Mississippi State at Auburn and Texas A&M at Mississippi. I don't know if any of these teams or the two games matter. There's certainly something. They're ranked. They're definitely football teams, so that's good. <laughs> they will definitely play football and someone will win. Perfect. <laughs> Yep. The final one, Sarah uh, G, will give you this one just because we're going to acknowledge Pacific Northwest football. Washington State uh, at Oregon. Oregon, 
the, kind of the only hope for the playoff in the Pac-12. Always, though, right? Always, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Knocking on the door, though, this year. That Ohio State game carrying some some water, but it looks like um, even if they win out, it, it could be a tough tough way in. They're ranked number five, right? They're three. They're three. Just kidding. Yeah. They're in. I'm sorry, I wrong. <laughs> Looks like that they've just went out there in, and that's pretty impressive. You know, who I guess we don't know that for sure, but yeah, it'd be hard. They have the inside track, certainly. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely do. And I watch probably too much Oregon just because, like, you know, everybody's Pac-12 after dark or whatever. It's not yeah. after dark though; it is now, you know, with the time change. But anyway, I I see a lot more of them than I really want to, and like. They're fine, and but they also are very capable of losing to somebody stupid. So that's more what I'm waiting for. Um, and then Washington State, yikes, up yes. there with their <laughs> former head coach, buddy. What um, for them? Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, the, obviously they they made the right call there and 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 took the right stance. But um, yeah, just but interesting and, to and see. Their players, I meant, you know, like when they've won a couple games in. Yeah. Losing their head coach. That's, that's no small task. And, you know, uh, I think the other piece is if you're Oregon, you're looking at this and you say, if we win out, even if Oklahoma, if Oklahoma goes undefeated, can they pass us? I don't know if that's. Not for eight. They're, they're, I mean, there's a five spot difference. The, the I only know. thing I mean, you have, have to worry about if you're Oregon is somebody, is Cincinnati getting in somebody's ear, right? And, and you think, no. Because they, we're already looking at this, and and know. if Ohio State wins out, which there's no reason to think that they won't. Um, sorry to everyone else in the Big Ten. <laughs> there's no that that Oregon Oregon beating Ohio State is the best winning college football. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. So Ohio, it would it would appear that if everyone continues to win, um, the thing that makes it a little funny is. Alabama will probably play Georgia, and yeah. if Alabama loses, they're out. Like, it would be very hard to put a two-loss. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. where Cincinnati could maybe weasel their way in. Exactly. Yeah. But if Alabama wins, now it's just a jockeying for position right. situation. Right. Absolutely. So, so yeah, you know, Alabama is basically playing to play Georgia later is, is kind of yeah. – also, I'm just looking at the rankings, and they have the next game for this. Alabama's next game is versus New Mexico State. It's true. The spread is 51 and a half on that game. <laughs> you want to get illegal. in on that. Should be illegal. The SEC really does get in these, like, end-of-the-season cupcakes. It's pretty bad. I hope no. I literally hope no one gets hurt in that yes, game. Yes, that's for a good thing to hope for. For both yeah. teams. Like, <laughs> Alabama, yeah. I've, I was long fearful of hurting our best players when I played sports just for being bad. So like, <laughs> I think he can go both ways. Yeah. Um, so let's jump to uh, the, the upcoming games in the big 10 uh, at 11 AM or at special time. God's uh, time zone. Rutgers travels to Indiana in a game that we could all pretend didn't happen. Um, yeah, it's tough. Tough to get excited about this one, everybody. So, <laughs> Um, let's move on. Northwestern at Wisconsin. Northwestern always seems to give Wisconsin trouble, but it just feels like too much to ask this year. Yeah, I'm not invested in that one either. So, <laughs> like, Wisconsin fan base, at, it's at Wisconsin. 
It is. Yeah, a a, a hyped up Madison with a chance of winning the division in the second week of November. No, <laughs> it's going to be drunk. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be loud. It's going to yeah. be the people from Northwestern and the Northwestern players are not going to know what they'll be it's, like. Can you guys keep it town? Like we're not it. Very un- uncomfortable. <laughs> you guys are yeah. making it very loud. There's so much noise. <laughs> if we could just have a quick pop quiz in the middle of this game, I would feel more at home. <laughs> the final 11 a.m. kick, uh, Michigan at Penn State. This one appears to be near toss-up. Penn State is a one-point favorite in this one. Uh, we talked about earlier in the pod, This is um, these are the games Harbaugh is measured by, and he's come up short almost every time. Um, big opportunity for both teams here. The fact that Penn State six and three is not ranked is really confusing to me. I understand the Illinois loss is not good at home. Do not get me wrong, but they did beat Auburn, which allegedly is a team that is people. (laughs) I don't, but some people they beat Wisconsin, which is on the come up and is ranked, Um, and and they uh, lost to Iowa. Which is not a terrible loss. I think is the end of this. I think the problem with this one is like what goes into Penn State's record requires a lot of context and yeah. people do not have it. Yeah. So. Don't have it. If you didn't watch that Iowa game, uh-huh. you don't know that Penn State was beating Iowa pretty handily until Clifford got hurt. Right? And then yeah. they had to put in a guy who's never seen a football before and they still lost on the last possession of the game. Right. That's true. You know, like, I just feel like people say six and three, they lost to who? You know, it's not, it's not, it's not doing it. And I think that Penn State is aware of that. I think that they will probably see this as an opportunity to put themselves back in decent conversation up. You know, they already lost to Ohio State. So for them to keep their, they're playing at this point. They can't win the division. You know, they're hoping to not go to the Outback Bowl. But I will say on the flip side, you know, unfortunate for a Michigan team and fans because Penn State is not ranked. The football playoff committee is not deeming them as a good win at this point in time. So not only do they expect Michigan to win, but probably the style points. But Vegas is telling us that it's going to be a very much a good game. So that's enough. That is a tough position to be in if you're a Michigan. It's true. You're on the road. You're the number six team in the country in a game that's essentially a toss-up. And that if you win, you will get nothing. If you win, you better win by a lot. Yeah. Like, that's 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 tough. But, you know. They're lucky that's an 11 a.m. kick also. Just to talk yes. about, like, environments. They're lucky that that's an 11 a.m. kick. Or, I would say yeah, you need to see it, but I do love to see it. So <laughs> We support that. it. Literally um, every person in my immediate family went to Penn State, so I will wave my tiny, <laughs> tiny Penn State flag. We'll allow it. Yep. Uh, Purdue, unranked Purdue, or no, they are now ranked. They're ranked now. Yeah, I don't know if that throws them off as the underdog, but it's over. Mm-hmm. Purdue, too much. Um, they they wilt under the pressure. They head into the horseshoe in a game that could have been plucky. But I feel like it's just a little too much of Ohio State's attention now. Yeah, I think what's going to happen here is we're all going to be like, oh, maybe they are beatable. You know, like we were talking about um, yeah. their game against Nebraska. And then they're going to beat Purdue by 63 points. Like, that's yeah. that's what's going to happen here. Feels very fair. A 20-point uh, Vegas favorite in this one. And I think we can all see it. Yeah. yeah. I think that 
I think that Purdue's defense could potentially contain Ohio State, but I just don't think that they're going to score 40 points like they did against Michigan State. I just just can't see it. Exactly. Um, I'll be lucky to get out of there with like a, you know, 21-28 or something, you know. Yeah. That would be lucky. That would be good for Purdue. (laughs) The last game of the year, or excuse me, of the, the week in the Big Ten, Minnesota heads to Iowa. Uh, a true rock fight game for me. This one, I have no intention of watching, but um, <laughs> it it will happen. So that's it will good. certainly happen. Yep, he, another <laughs> game that will take place, and someone yep. will win. So um, that let's jump forward to the Maryland preview. But beforehand, let's get back to a tradition that we have we've lost our way. Or we haven't done it in a while. Why this program stinks? The Sarahs have have led the charge on this one. We thank them. You guys have some of your own opinions, and we got some great tweet feedback. Let's hear it. Why does Maryland stink? Ooh, I think we, we have to start with, and and I think our our, our pal uh, MN underscore Izone pointed this out, but this is always going to be my answer. Your mascot is a turtle. Yep. Your mascot is stupid, and everyone knows it. <laughs> a terrapin. What's his name, Sarah? Testudo? Testudo, yeah. And I sent oh. you guys that terrifying picture of him. Testudo um, which is Latin for tortoise. So, like, is it a turtle? Is it a terrapin? Is it a tortoise? Yeah, what are we doing? Like, let's get it together, Maryland. Also, why does it got to be mean-mugging me? Like, why <laughs> are you trying to make the turtle scary? A tur- you flip a turtle over and that's Wait. the end of it. It's over. <laughs> a turtle it's over. you. Done. You know, uh, there are plenty of dumb mascots, but this one is the worst. Yeah, from Jason Fry, we got crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. Um, I'll give them the crab cakes. They're exquisite, but they've never done football well. Their banner year is like eight wins. Their program is a poor man's Minnesota. So I think that oh, sums Maryland up pretty well. I mean, Maryland has won a national championship in the sure. not-too-distant past. Let's not... Is that true? Is that not true? Is oh. it? Okay. I, it sounds it sounds true, but maybe is I'm it, thinking basketball. In basketball. Okay, here we go for some yeah. real TV content. Isn't Robin's husband from Real Housewives of Atlanta the point guard for the Maryland yeah. championship winning team? Juan yeah, Juan Dixon. Dixon. Yeah. <laughs> in basketball. Okay. Basketball. No. Yeah, in basketball they did. Yeah, yeah. I was like, football, no chance. Basketball, right, I got yeah. Um, we also got from B Bliss 2022 that Maryland has the ugliest state flag in the country. And I will follow that up with, they also put that on their uniform, which is troubling in, in most situations. The attempt to be like East Coast Oregon with the Under Armour stuff and the flag, nobody asked for it. We don't want it. We don't want it. <laughs> it's ugly and we hate it. It's no, true. It's, it's unfortunate is what it is. Yep. Any more? Um, I think that pretty much covers it. We have, a lot of there are bad drivers, but like yeah, I don't we have some notes for like just the state of Maryland. Yeah, um, they're bad drivers. Uh, I have a problem with towns that are named for colleges. So mm-hmm. like Penn State, we're looking at you. Texas A&M, College Station, College Park, State yeah. College. Yeah, kill it. Like that's the <laughs> come up with. Like yeah, right. That's all you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Maryland has been looking for two zebras for two months, and they still can't find them. This is and, possible. And so we're all going to die. 
because <laughs> we're going to be taken over by the cocaine hippos and the zebra deer. Thank They're you. Just, that's the end of the world right there. Wow. I've never because Maryland that. can't find <laughs> zebras. So I'll be honest. I don't know if the pod knows about my hippo obsession. So this is uh, this is news to me. Just we'll let the listeners know. Do your research, aka go to John's Twitter feed, and he'll tell you all you need to know about the fact that the hippos are coming and we're gonna die, and we um, better take them seriously, or else it's too. Like, Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos. Our people. The, the the short story is that there are hippos loose in South America and Central America, and they're just Bro. running wild. And a hippo is scary. Anyway, so it's true. Apparently, anyway. They can't get their wildlife under control. They're bad drivers, apparently. Mm-hmm. And it's another school like UNC where I'm like, and this is why I started thinking about basketball. Sorry. Why do they have a football team? Does anybody care that Maryland has a football team? Not me. The Big Ten did when they expanded. Well, exactly. that's a whole other conversation that I don't. <laughs> no, we don't have time. We don't have time for that. This is already an hour and 40 minutes. We don't have time to talk about that. Yeah, that includes the 20-minute preamble we have. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's just like, why... Why do they have a football team? Nobody cares. Like somebody said, their banner season is eight wins. Like sure. they go two and six, they go eight and two. Who cares? Who cares? Well, yep. Literally nobody. Literally but nobody. we do on Saturday because we'll be tuning in to watch. As Michigan State uh, takes on Maryland at three o'clock on Fox. MSU with 13-ish point favorites, which sure. Uh, the computers are saying, you know, confident uh, 83% chance of Michigan State winning. I don't hate that. Five out of six, we'll take it. And, you know, I think the most important piece, another thing we need to come bring back is the roster names. It's important that we get back to our roots here. So hit me with some Maryland roster names before we jump into the preview. Yes, they have some great ones. I actually had to narrow this list down a lot. Let's start with the punter, not somebody we talk about a lot. Their punter's name is Colton Spangler. Oh, wow. Wow. Are you sure he doesn't play for Texas? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's a Texas punter. It's quite a name. They've also got someone named Jayon Venerable, just a solid mm-hmm. last name. Ruben Hippolyte the second. Now I love it when somebody goes with the second instead yeah. of junior. Like that's really oh, so really real. a move. Uh, Almos Titi, it's funny. And then we have the Shockley brothers, Ernest Shockley the third and Zion Shockley. And I just have to imagine like you're Ernest Shockley the third, and you're like named after your dad or whatever. You're still like a six-year-old named Ernest, right? But then you've got a younger brother, and his name is Zion. You've got to to carry that and think that it's unfair. Being a six-year-old named Ernest is... That's tough. But I I picture him in, like, a nice suit all the time, so (laughs) (laughs) that feels good for me. Yeah, they've got some real good ones. I had to kick a couple of off off here just because there were so many. So check that out if you're into names. Oh, this is the best part is, like, I don't know what one day started this idea, but there are just so many good names. And we just, my name is, I feel a little boring. You know, we read these names and you're like, wow. I yeah. think Sarah and I have done this ever since we were in college. And I think it's because we have the most boring first name mm-hmm. on the face yeah. of the planet. Yeah, yeah. You my can, last name brings some heat, but like nobody's trying to pronounce Agreed. that. So <laughs> Your last name does does bring it. But yeah, it's it's just when you have a, a very like sort of normal 
unremarkable name. You're like, oh, imagine what it would be like to name Zion. <laughs> Living Zion. by Thursday. <laughs> every week. Yep. Yeah. So last year, Maryland uh, won two games. But who amongst us? Who amongst us? I also wanted to point out that in 2019, they scored 79 points in a football game. Wow. Versus <laughs> Howard. Yeah, that's yes, they exciting. They also won four games that year somehow. They that just, one maybe should come for two, but, you know, we can't go yeah. back in time. But anyway, 70, over 70 points in football. Congrats. It's so Maryland of them. I imagine yeah. it took place in September. Yeah. Uh, they they lost to Penn State last week as we covered. Their quarterback, quite good. Um, one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. You may know his older brother, starter for Miami Dolphins, and I'm not going to attempt to do the name because we have guests that are going to give it a shot. <laughs> not me. <laughs> I am going to try. Okay. I think, okay. I think that this is pronounced. I apologize to the, to the family if I'm incorrect. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa. I think Perfect. Is correct. I've done I think that. we'll be, well, as long as we don't get another message from his mother, his mother, <laughs> much like Michael. Phoenix's mother You know that's not right. You know it's not right. Well, maybe we'll hear from her again. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, they have, this is a team that is uh, good at some things and terrible at others. Okay. Uh, they, they do a very miserable job at, uh, at, at basically defense. I would call it all of it. I was trying to pick it. They're rushing or, or passing defense. It's basically, this should be a game where we should assert ourselves on the offensive side of the ball. You should feel comfortable with that. This is, I would call Maryland in between of Western Kentucky and Purdue. Like they, they are as good or, or more competent offensively, maybe more complete team than Western Kentucky, but very comfortable throwing the ball 40 to 45 times a game, maybe more. Um, their defense is not nearly as good as Purdue, though. So, so I think you're going to feel uh, that's why the computers like this team so much. But um, the offense, Michigan State's going to have to score because Maryland's going to put up points. Yeah. Uh, but, but I'm curious what you guys think. So my concern is the same concern I'm going to have for every game for the rest of the season after the Purdue game, which is I'm worried about Michigan State's defense allowing 500 passing yards. Yes. Probably will so, happen again. So against Penn State, which you guys have talked about on the the pod before, is is a very good defense. They're ranked, I think, in the top ten nationally. They're they're way up there, right? Uh, their quarterback was forty one for fifty seven for three hundred and seventy one yards. Now they only scored two touchdowns on that performance, but the, I don't I don't understand that. <laughs> I didn't watch the game, so I can't. Yeah. But but yeah. this is a scenario we were talking about earlier. Michigan State was like throw the ball fifty times. Okay. Two and two is gonna do it. He yeah. will throw the ball fifty times. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna be where the bend don't break thing comes in because Michigan State is gonna have to limit red zone trips, which is obviously what Penn State did, you know, and limit the damage in the red zone. So that's why I, I will be worried about this for every game from now. Yeah. On. <laughs> now, now that we've seen how bad it can be when it's bad, you're going to, I mean, you're going to pay attention to that even more. And we always knew like you're playing with fire when you're playing bend, don't break defense. And even yeah. though Mel said like, that's not what we want here. Well, that's what we have right now. So it's kind of just like, we yeah. are where we are. And also what I really want to see out of this game um, from the Michigan state side is 
those dumb penalties, right? Like, because if you're already, if you already know that you have a defense that is going to give up yards, you can't gift them yards as a present, right? And so like, let's, let's tighten that back up. And I think that's why you see um, us being the favorites in this game is because it's just like, we know what we're capable of, but we saw what happens when it all falls apart. So clean it up, fellas. And I think that the reason I'm worried about this from the rest of the games is because we've got this game against, uh, you know, Maryland where they have a good quarterback. And then our next game is against Penn state with Sean Clifford, who we've already discussed. And then I'm yep. oh, sorry, Ohio state, then Penn state, but still we've got, Maryland, we've got Sean Clifford, and we've got C.J. Stroud left on the schedule, right? If, if anybody's going to make Michigan State pay, those are some guys. It's yeah. tough. Yeah, though you think you can – Penn State is is maybe a little bit too stubborn, but Ryan Day and Ohio State have no problem letting C.J. Stroud let the Chappas sing. Like exactly. That yeah. 60 times a game, and they have – million different athletes that are going to go catch it up. That's next week's problem. We'll worry yep. about that later. Correct. Um, but Maryland is a team that you certainly can't overlook. Um, but but the, I think the biggest silver lining and, and maybe a piece that we should feel hope with is their defense just really struggles. You know, they, they have had some occasions recently um, where they've just given up points to teams that really don't score as much. Indiana – most recently seen scoring seven points against Michigan, dropped 35 on Maryland just the week prior. You know, um, I think you can look at, uh, let's see, Iowa. They averaged 21 points a game if you take out their game against Maryland. Well, in that game, Maryland, or Iowa scored 51 points. You know, like this is the Ohio State scored 66 on them. Now, Ohio State can score on anyone, but 66? Yeah. Like you can feel pretty good about Michigan State's offense even if Jalen Naylor isn't playing. I um, think this is a game where you can see um, K-9 take advantage of that, right? Because he yeah. is the kind of, you know, running back who doesn't go down at the first tackle attempt, right? He finds a way to escape. And so I'm hoping with, you know, a less than good defense, he's going to find those opportunities again um, and be able to to put up points if we are giving up um, points on the defensive side. Yeah, and this game's also at home, which I think will be a welcome, uh, you know, return to some familiarity. So, in the afternoon. Uh, like, yeah. In the afternoon, so the fans can get yeah. a little uh, worked out. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's right. It's a three o'clock kick. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that I, I think that that's definitely, you know, it's it, it, this team is, it's always just a matter of, like, like I said earlier, it's deeply flawed, right? Can the offense outstrip? the defense is, you know, giving up points. That's that's always the equation for this team. You know, the defense has to minimize damage and then the offense has to has to just score. And so if Michigan State here's something else I'd like us to stop and start doing. Remember when we were scoring on the first possession of, of every game? Now we're turning the ball over on the first possession. Yeah, hate that. Hate Let's it. Strike that and reverse it. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's go back. Settle for punting. Just not, not turning turn over, over on the first yeah. possession. Um, I think you get out because that just for a team that relies on its offense, right? It just takes all the wind out of the sails. And yeah. in both of these cases, the Michigan game and the Purdue game, they they were driving. You know, they, they were, were driving. They, yeah. they had home plays together. You know, a Michigan game was a little more. They were in a little worse situation there. But the Purdue game certainly they had they had put you know a little certain put a little drive together, and you turn the ball over, and then you're just. It's tough sledding from there on out. So let's not do that. 
Yeah, you know, for what it's worth, you know, not to to harp on the Purdue game, but, you know, is that team elite? No. Was their defense very good? Absolutely. You know, scoring 29 on them is – we talked about the past games, or the past – excuse me, past seasons. Those offenses were so bad. So bad. It doesn't mean that (laughs) – it doesn't mean that should be, like, the bar, but it's just – it's refreshing to have a team where you're like, hey, we're never out of it. Like, it's also funny because we forget so quickly. Again, Sarah and I were talking about some past seasons earlier, and we looked up the score for the Ohio State game in the 2014 season, which is a game that Michigan State lost. And I believe that game was like 49 to 37, which yeah. is mind. We immediately forgot that the offense got bad, and we were like, we have never scored points. We have never <laughs> scored points. We've always been bad. Yeah. Points are impossible, and now the offense is good again, and we're like, yeah, yeah. points. We love it. We love to score so points. True. It yeah. was literally like five years ago, and, and we just pretended it. Never. No memory. Yeah. No, I, I don't know her. Like, it truly is <laughs> It truly is bad. So, And I think that this also gives us an opportunity to do some of the stuff we talked about earlier, making adjustments on the offense, minus Naylor. If Maryland's defense is that soft, if Michigan State is able to go up a little bit, Run some plays for the big boy. Exactly. Run some plays for Tyler Hunt. You know, let's try some different looks. Let's get some people involved who have not been involved in the offense because, you know, the the Reed Naylor Walker trio is incredible. You know, we all know that, but taking Naylor out of it definitely hurts it a little bit. And diversifying the offense would certainly not be a bad thing. Well, and then you also wonder on the flip side: is this become a Heisman campaign? Where you yeah. just you walk her the ball and you're like, it's really important for us to, who knows, assert that his stat. Score five more touchdowns. That's fine exactly, with me. Exactly, right? That's fine. There <laughs> might be some, t- there might be some, in this game, I would, I would imagine Michigan State is going to score more than 40 points. Wow. Say it. And, oh. and there may be some, some touchdown hunting. Going yeah, on. it's, it's probably their last, if they're, if they're interested. If the staff is interested in running up the stats, it's probably their last opportunity to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, State and Ohio State in the last two games, you're not going to get a lot of chances to to pad the stats, right? You're going to get what you get. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, this is the game that MSU has to have to make um, things continue to be interesting this season. Um, this is a game you'd like to think that Michigan State can win, should win. They're the better of the team. They're the better roster. It's a home game. It's in the afternoon. Uh, all indications MSU would be very disappointed if they dropped this one. So Yeah. yeah. I think dropping the Purdue game, we were all kind of like, yeah, as discussed earlier, we were like, this is fine. We can roll with this. Mm-hmm. You lose Maryland at home? Nah. This as is the number seven team in the country, now yeah. you got a problem. Well, yeah. let's back up. Before the season when this team was, you know, Vegas over under four and a half wins, this was a game on the schedule that people were like, you should win this one. Yeah. That was <laughs> Even then. <laughs> yeah. Even that was, this was one of our four. This exactly. was one of the four we were supposed to get. Yeah. yeah. So any final thoughts that I should leave, leave the viewer or excuse me, the listeners with? Viewers, I don't know. Viewers, they would have gotten a beautiful show here. Um, here's what I'm going to leave the uh, listeners with. I really don't want to lose this game. Um, so that's that's what I would like to take. I would um, like people to take away from this. As, as previously established on this and other podcasts where Sarah and I have hosted, we hate losing, and it's not fun. <laughs> this Michigan State's uh, fans have spoken. 
<laughs> we represent all of them. Uh, Hot take. Losing is bad. Fourteen. Clear, clearly, you guys are referring to the Western Michigan uh, basketball game this Friday as well. Yes. Uh, I think we should make it a sweep this weekend. What do you guys think? I'm in. I'm ready. Nothing more. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining. This has been so much fun. Um, we can't wait to see you or hear you uh, later, maybe in a holiday podcast. Christmas to- pod. Oh, yeah. We're we're coming back for the Christmas pod. But if it's back after another loss, I'm mm. going to write a letter to management, and I yeah. want my voice heard. <laughs> totally fair. That's good feedback, constructive feedback. Uh, we'll let we'll let Izzo and, and uh, Mr. Tucker know. Well, thank, thank you guys again for tuning in. Um, for John, this is Sarah and Sarah, and we'll see you guys next time.